excuse me, Mr. Connors. Hey, Fred, how was the wedding? Well, I just wanted to thank you for making Debbie go through with it and everything. All I did was fan the flame of her passion for you, Fred. <laughs> you are the best. No, you are the best. Rita, this is Debbie and Fred Kleiser. Hi. Here you go, kids. Congratulations. What is this? No way. WrestleMania! No way! Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings, Grapple fans! It's time once again for two differing generations of professional wrestling fans to discuss this art form with all of the cultural references that we can to once again baffle one another until we finally reach a standard of acceptance with our own foibles, our own failings. It's like a rom-com in podcast form. And that is what you're listening to right now. It is Let Me Tell You Something. You're listening to the sultry voice of myself, Lorcan Mullen. And with me, as always, is the gold dust to my Marlena. The sweet sapphire to my American Dream Dusty Rhodes. The Kenny Omega to my Kota Ibushi, Mr. (laughs) Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing today, mate? I'm doing good. Uh, I thought you'd go for my uh, more of my earthly, gravelly tones, my my sultry voice. We well, haven't got off at the moment, haven't you? So no, no, it, it's 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 waiting in and out. Um, much like you know the tail end of any kind of relationship, and it's relationships within wrestling we were looking to discuss today. Yes, uh, some of you might be uh, expecting something different when you see that the title for this episode is Wrestling and Romance. No, we will, <laughs> we will not be talking about, I don't know what Simon's laughing about, but we will not be talking about the 1990s wrestling promotion run by Genichiro Tenru in Japan that saw the likes of Chris Jericho, Ultimo Dragon, Lance Storm, and others really start to make a mark in the international wrestling world. We are talking about romance itself, love, relationships, their ups, their downs, their in-betweens, and how they've intertangled within the world of pro wrestling for at least the past 30 or so years, which is sort of the sphere of knowledge that Simon and I uh, possess between the two of us. Yes, and um, not to forget, wrestling and romance is often found in uh, Lorcan's internet history, but we won't go down that path. Yeah, I, I really should stop uh, including you in my bookmarks. <laughs> Incognito mode. It's not oh, difficult. Damn it. <laughs> but it never follows... Never, I can't just put in P and then they give me everything. I shouldn't have, gone with, shouldn't have gone with P. That was the worst letter to go for. L. Let's say L. <laughs> just digging yourself a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, this was something I was keen to talk about uh, for quite a while, and uh, at the time of recording, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but we do like to make this non-topical in theory, so that you can pick this episode up maybe four or five years after we've been talking about it. Um, but we do still, we are influenced by what's happening around us. At the time of recording, it's literally one week away from Valentine's Day. I'm sure, Simon, you and your lady friend will have a lovely day around about Leicestershire uh, doing something romantic. I don't know what it is you crazy cats do these days. Um, See, there's no way of responding to that without sounding like a hipster. But here I go. Uh, me and my good lady friend uh, for three years now, actually, you know. Um, Was she doing... a bad lady friend for three years? Before? <laughs> <laughs> I'll convert him in the end. Mm. Like the good father. Um, but no, no, uh, we celebrate our anniversary because we see that as more of an achievement. Whereas Valentine's Day, oh, that's commercialised. Oh, no, every, every, everything's just more expensive for no reason. So we, we tend to give that lot. It'll, there'll be a low-key celebration. But um, Oh, you'll no. uh, dress as the popular independent wrestler who had a brief foray the WWE as Caval around the early 2010s. Uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to the head shaving, but you got to roll with the punches. Or the head kicks, either. He was vicious in the ring. He was not a man for romance in the squared circle, I'll say that much. Uh, so, it was a combination that it's Valentine's Day. By the time we release this episode, it'll be just before Valentine's Day. I'm sure the dozens and dozens <laughs> of wrestling fans out there with a significant partner will be having a lovely time together. Um, Are they mankind's dozens? Sorry? Is it the same? Is there a lot of overlap on that Venn diagram between mankind's dozens and those in a relationship? <laughs> Probably not. If if you have a an emotional bond with Mick Foley, Foley himself has admitted you're not. Although he did very well for himself, uh, it's fair to say. <laughs> um, Noel does not get her genetics from him for the most part. No. no. <laughs> that's a di- that's a different section of the family tree. That definitely. yes, yes. Um, so what we and, and also so uh, Valentine's Day also uh, one of the great storylines seems to have uh, reached a new chapter in recent pro wrestling, that of the continuing ups and downs of the tag team once known as the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi recently seemed to have a reunion in the ring that led to an explosion of confetti. At the point of physical contact in a <laughs> loving way. <laughs> no matter. Yeah, that was care. a weird moment. That. that was the only thing I could. Jay like... White must have been annoyed. Hey, this is for when people win the belt, not when. <laughs> not when people hug. <laughs> the only hug that's ever been that over before was Kane and Daniel Bryan. Yes, and in a completely different way. Although that would have been a hell of a path for them to go down with that storyline as it went on. But, um, and also one last thing, as we talk of right now on WWE Facebook Watch, whatever the bloody hell that is, there is an ongoing half-hour online-only show that's almost out of continuity in a weird way. Uh, the Mixed Max Challenge. Yeah, men it's and like... female wrestlers are combining together and having a knockout tournament for charity. And um, included in those tag teams has been the real-life couple of Jimmy Uso and Naomi, and Rusev and Lana. So 
it's just a combination of all of these things. And it was like I've said, it's always something I've wanted to talk about in, in this show. Uh, it's the use of romance and romantic storylines in pro wrestling. Because for the longest time, one of the ways I've always liked to describe pro wrestling, and, and no one's really ever had a problem with this. It's never actually been seen as a negative connotation. Uh, would be to describe it as... Well, in the day it was described as a male soap opera, but really it's just a soap opera. That is what pro wrestling became under Vince McMahon, really, uh, from the rock and wrestling onwards. It became an ongoing storyline with a large number of characters interacting with one another, with narratives that go on and on. I mean, that's the funny thing about uh, soap operas and wrestling in general. There has been no beginning of wrestling, and it doesn't look like there'll ever be an end of wrestling it's always a middle. Individual stories have their beginning and end, but that's what's so fascinating. If you look at the WWA, from the first event in Madison Square Garden in 1950-whatever to today, storylines have carried on from show to show. There's never been a... The only time that they seem to try and stop it and restart... Uh, was when Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff came back to WCW and they kind of tried to stop and restart. They vacated all the titles and and they were saying this is like a a, a reboot. But you couldn't do that ultimately. The storylines of, the the histories of those characters still existed in this world. So when people think about soap operas and they're not talking about wrestling, they're talking about the traditional soap operas of... EastEnders, Coronation Street, in America it's Days of Our Lives, and and so on. In, in Latin America it's the telenovelas, although those, to be fair, do have a beginning, middle, and end. They are human emotion, and usually one of the great over-reliant storylines in soap operas are romances. In EastEnders you've had Alfie Moon and Cat Slater... You've had Grant Mitchell and Sharon and Grant and Tiffany. Uh, in Coronation Street, you had the great love triangle between Deirdre Barlow, Ken Barlow, and Mike. I can't remember his surname. Baldwin. Mike Baldwin. Baldwin. Uh, in, in Brookside, you had the first lesbian storyline with Anna Friel and whoever the other woman that wasn't Anna Friel had in the early 90s you are showing your age with a brookside reference oh very much so that was this that was the soap opera my nan watched for whatever reason that was the one that my nan liked uh i've no idea i've never the only soap opera i ever watched for any concerted length of time was home and away in the early 90s Uh, okay okay. where there was and the only storyline i really have any great memory of was the shane angel storyline angel uh, was played by a woman called Melissa George, who was one of those, could have become a movie star in Hollywood, but it never quite happened, and she just popped up in tons. She still does pop up in tons of things. You just saw her in an episode of Friends, or she's a minor character in Mulholland Drive. She has a short recurring role in The Good Wife. Um, that's a weird tangent that we're going on, but but that was a, a, a romance storyline. Uh, they hated yeah. each other, then they loved each other, then she decided she wanted to go to Hollywood like so many Australian soap operas, stars do and then become successful <laughs> never get that hit rate with like shane ritchie do you no i'll go to catch my no or uh uh ricky from eastenders sid owen he didn't he didn't uh trouble the marvel cinematic universe or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> uh 
<laughs> Ricky from EastEnders is Iron Man. Oh, that's a sight to behold. Oh, right there. Oh, uh, yeah. I've found a new element. And I. <laughs> Bianca's Pepper Potts. Oh, jeez. Oh. Tony! <laughs> um, so, yes. Pro wrestling, like soap opera, is an ongoing storyline. Of course, the different context is that it takes storylines and combines it with sporting narrative. Champions, losers, winners, but also more moral, um, not complexity, but like there's only maybe one or two villains in a soap opera at any one time. In in pro wrestling, half the roster in theory has got to be the villains and half the roster are good guys. Sometimes they have those shades of grey moments. Um, but romances have been a part of wrestling storylines for as long as I've been watching wrestling, but never maybe as frequently as I think they should. I actually don't think that WWE and wrestling in general go to romantic storylines as often as they could do, because I think they can provoke an audience reaction because it's as close as it is to relatability. We can't actually necessarily understand the notion of trying to go for the WWE championship that you've won three times already, like a Roman Reigns storyline or what have you. But the idea of pursuing someone or or falling in love with someone or having feelings for someone is something that I think we can all either empathise with or can understand. Not only empathise and understand, but it's something we're just drawn to from in just it just in life. I mean, office romance, water cooler talk. It, it people like it. People are just drawn to it. There's like a compulsion. People must know. Oh, what's going on with certain relationships? There seems to be this big gossip culture, and I think it's because there is an inherent desire to find out who is going out with who. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like a primal instinct. I don't know if it's a psychoanalytical thing, but that's the way it is. I I feel. You always will know these terms: Ross and Rachel, Sam and Diane. Tim and Dawn, Jim and Pam. If you're into those shows, you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. Um, and with wrestling, would you judge me if I didn't get the Tim and Dawn one at first, but I got the Jim and Pam one? Not particularly. That that was more recent. They're both, in case you're still wondering, both the British and American versions of The Office. And I think, uh, did you get Sam and Diane? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. You said Sam and Diane. That's, and that's course, a classic one. Uh, given the given the sad recent parting of one of the cast members, Niles and Daphne as well. Niles and Daphne, indeed, indeed. Pour one out for Martin, right there. Oh, wow, <laughs> oh shit! Believe it's on the it keyboard. or not, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> believe it or not, this is a wrestling uh, discussion. <laughs> okay, so let's then talk about when you say Ross and Rachel, when you say Jim and Pam, when uh, when you say uh, Niles and Daphne. Uh, let me just ask you straight away, Simon. What would be the first if someone if someone wanted to ask you what is wrestling's great Sam and Diane? What would you go with? It is without a doubt Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth, quintessential wrestling couple. Yeah, Quintess- I think I think if you look at all the great moments of WrestleMania history, I think their reunion at WrestleMania Seven. I mean, just look at that that famous shot of the. Two different wrestling fans. One like a little kid. I think he was a little kid with the Macho Man hat and the Hulk Hogan styrofoam finger and everything just going crazy. And then like the woman in her 20s or something with the very early 90s haircut. And I've just seen I, Tonya, and there are a lot of those haircuts around at that time. <laughs> a lot of moose in the hair. 
just weeping uncontrollably at the sight of those two. Those two. I don't know why these two crazy kids can't just make a thick gun get back together. Um, and I think that I honestly, as I've become more and more reflective about wrestling over the many years that I've watched it and uh, the many years that I've looked at the history of it and read about it and now through things like my show and this podcast and my book, tried to be a bit more analytical. I think if you asked me to say what is the greatest storyline in wrestling history, what would be my case to be made that this is a great art form, I think it probably would be the Randy Savage Miss Elizabeth narrative going from his debut on WWF TV in late 1985, early 1986, through his time as Intercontinental Champion, feuding with George the Animal Steel, and feuding with uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboats, through to his babyface turn, his feud with the Honky Tonk Man, his uniting of the Mega Powers with Hulk Hogan, his jealousy turning him against Hulk Hogan and turning him against Elizabeth, turning to back to the evil side and then being manipulated in theory by the evil sensational Sherry. Then he loses everything. He literally loses his career when he loses to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7. And Sherry has lost her meal ticket. She's lost her way of earning through wrestling. Savage is of no intrinsic monetary or status value to her and so she turns on him and Elizabeth comes back and saves Sherry and it's at that moment that Savage realises that she'd always loved him it hadn't been about the WWF Championship it hadn't been about Hulk Hogan it hadn't been about anything and when he had nothing she was still there and that was all he ever needed and if if Savage had retired at that point and ridden off into the sunset or been a colour commentator or, or what have you or even if he'd come back and won the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 8, still with Elizabeth this time by his side, having spurned the advances of Ric Flair, then I would say this is probably the greatest storyline of all time. You can't, again, the nature of wrestling that there's no beginning, middle and end, it's all middle. Then there's all the complications of the WCW storylines, Elizabeth turning, Savage turning, then reuniting under the NWO, then kind of not really ever splitting up, but then suddenly Savage goes through a midlife crisis and is now hooking up with this 22-year-old blonde woman called Gorgeous George, and Elizabeth has hooked up with Lex Luger in the interim, and it's all very confusing. Yeah, <laughs> like real, like real life is, to be fair. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, the tragic end of uh, Miss Elizabeth and, and eventually Randy Savage. You know, neither of those mm. two are with us anymore. Um, but that that narrative, you could t- you could literally just watch WrestleMania two against George the Animal Steel, three against Steel, uh, three against Steamboat, four in the tournament, five against Hogan, six where Elizabeth comes back to be in the corner of Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire against Savage and Sherry. Seven with him losing to the Warrior and then reuniting with Elizabeth. And then arguably eight with him winning the championship with Ric Flair, against Ric Flair with she- uh, Elizabeth by his side. That is a storyline that I... A five, six act structure that's every bit as emotionally moving if you're a wrestling fan as It's a Wonderful Life can be as a film fan, which is like my favourite film of all time. That's what I'm comparing it to there. Hmm. And and there are very few instances where they've ever... I don't even know if you could try to go back, because that was just a storyline that gradually evolved over time naturally. They couldn't. You couldn't map out a five, six-year storyline in advance, obviously. No. Um, but I don't know that you... 
I think that you're capable of making an epic romance storyline like that again, but I don't know that uh, in in the current mindset of the WWE or any promotion if they could actually do that. Do you think in many ways that um, Savage and Elizabeth as a romance storyline is very much the equivalent to Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon as a evil authority figure um, and the man who just won't follow his orders kind of equivalent? Because they're both... Sorry, They're both very much things that have been repeated ad nauseum since their most iconic inception. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, I, I agree with your point. I don't think in either like um, subgenre, if you will, there has ever been anything that's come quite close. Maybe Daniel Bryan rising against the machine, but it, did it last that long enough in terms of like you know being a baby face fighting the machine? But I couldn't. I can't. I genuinely cannot think of a romance story that is greater than Savage and Elizabeth in wrestling. Yeah, and also, I mean, Austin McMahon, maybe it was because it was the original as well, just like Savage and Elizabeth, maybe that's one of the great original romances in wrestling. I'm sure there have been great romance storylines in the 70s and, and early 80s and that, but there's none that I can think of immediately that, that spring to mind. I mean, back then it was just women as valets. They weren't really personalities particularly. You know, the, the woman wrestler was considered like a... Like equal to the midget match in in on a wrestling card back in those days. Yeah, and I think that's part of the um, part of the problem per se is that you had this unique match with um, unique story rather, but women weren't really around. You couldn't really capitalize on it as such. There weren't a great depth of women, and those that there were were tied up either in being um, the in the women's division as limited as it was at the time or being valet a lot, you know, just valets and thought of it more as a manager than as a potential like a romance target. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe, maybe Savage and Elizabeth really was the first example of that. And the original and the best, just as with Austin and McMahon, although Austin McMahon isn't the first time that someone's been angry at a wrestling commissioner or something, but it's like everyone's had a shitty boss and everyone's, I don't know if everyone's been in love, but everyone's been. Everyone can re- understand love. The, Every everyone has everyone experienced love, love firsthand people, in or, some way, or have witnessed it first. Or have witnessed it, you know. I, um, yeah, um, yeah. So I think Savage and Elizabeth is the gold standard, and we're probably giving ourselves away with the Mount Rushmore towards the end of the show, necessarily. <laughs> oh, we have telegraphed that spot well in it. Possibly so, <laughs> yes. Or is it foreshadowing? No, it's just giving it away. Um, so, then let's let's move on to it from there. Um, I think one of the other great examples of the love story in, in wrestling storylines can also be the love triangle. And that is probably the bread and butter of soap operas. Every year there's probably some epic love triangle going on in, in some TV show. Um, and, yep, yeah, so I don't know if you want to take um, us off there. I was just going to say, and now when you say love triangle, I think most, well, most if not all of our listeners right now are thinking of the most iconic uh, love triangle in wrestling history. Sort of an art, um, a life um foreshadowing art in some ways the edge matt hardy lisa love triangle kind of deal it's interesting that you went with that i think a lot of people would probably be thinking triple h kurt angle stephanie mcmahon or in my case uh tommy dreamer raven and beulah mcgillicutty 
Now, see, they're all they are all a trifecta of triangles, Simon. Indeed, I I I think that ev- what you've brought up there are fair shouts. I just I'm drawn to that one for two reasons. One, it it happened whilst I was a teenager. That the Unforgiven Cage match, I was 14 years old at the time, and I was just peak immersed into wrestling. I had the free time, you know. That's just. I had the VHS because t- I didn't have access to Sky or the internet at age fourteen. If you, if people around the world can believe that that fourteen year olds at one point didn't have the internet, that happened. I was. What did one. you wank to? <laughs> My imagination. It has since died since I got a broadband connection. <laughs> that went very off topic. But to get back to the point, I had the VHS. But the bigger question is, what exactly are you wanking to right now, Simon? I can see. <laughs> oh, the video's not on. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> and to bring it back to uh, topic, uh, I had that VHS. Uh, my mate had managed to tape it for me, so I had the VHS of Unforgiven. And just the, how like raw and visceral that match was. Uh, obviously, yeah, except like you know within a working environment, but it just had that edge to it. It felt more real. There was no like a grittiness. No pun intended. There was a grittiness to it. Uh, like you know it. It, because it was so relatable, because it was something that throughout the world, morality throughout the world and what pe- different people perceive to be okay, that's like on a spectrum. But by and large, sleeping with another man's woman, uh, that is like a universal no-no. And it, that just makes things so much relatable. Like It just had that connection. It was like, ooh. That is like a golden tenet. That's like a universally accepted standard that's been broken there. Mm. Yeah, and it's also interesting with the Edge, Lita, Matt Hardy storyline is that that started off on screen. The love triangle of sorts that was in kayfabe at the time was between Kane, Edge and Lita. Matt Hardy having been disposed of via a match where the stipulation was if Kane won, then he gets to marry Lita. Uh, then, wrestling's weird <laughs> yeah wrestling is weird <laughs> that's why we talk about it for an hour um, so that was one that in a way the the I mean there was a kayfabe storyline to it in a way in that Matt Hardy was at Lita's boyfriend and then Lita left Kane on screen but Matt Hardy off screen for Edge in, on screen and Edge in real life and I think everyone can understand that a man a man scorned him losing uh, what he uh, li- um, what he thought was his. And it was also I remember at that point thinking, can Edge ever be a babyface again if people equate his real personage? You know, as we live in this time right now, where so many men are being uh, brought to task over their indiscretions. And the questions being made whether we should ever be able to sell, whether we could celebrate their work again, whether we could give them awards for their work again um, or not. And I did think at that point maybe Edge will never be forgiven in the public because he's seen as a man, because he was married in real life, like very recently married, I believe, at that time. Yeah. Uh, when he and Lita were having an affair. But I think, I don't know if it's just maybe we're more morally. Uh, not ambiguous, but more understanding in real life now. I don't know what the right way to put it. Maybe there's less of a stigma to it. Maybe that's just you and I uh, are both older and maybe we understand the complexities of life more. That, you know, someone having an affair 
at that age, it's I guess because I would have been like 21, I think my policy was if I ever had a girlfriend who cheated on me, that girl will be done forever and she's a terrible person full stop. And like, I mean, I've never been in that situation yet to be challenged by that to the best of my knowledge. Um <laughs> But I don't know that I don't know that I would even um, I don't know how I'd react, but I don't think it would be uh, with a moral purity that I think I applied at that time. And of course, that is usually applied to professional wrestling. It's easy to apply moral purity to a situation that's not your own. Um, It's one of those situations. But uh, broadly speaking, you are right. As you grow older, you realize the world isn't black and white. You realize there are far more shades of gray in it than you would ever care to mention and way more than 50 um just for all you bored housewives out there just like i just love i can't mention gray without making a 50 shades reference now as tortures as it may be um but to pull you up on the edge point to row back a little bit in terms of like could we like celebrate him for for his um because of his missed uh misdeeds in the real world um look at mel gibson i don't he... want to look at him he looks <laughs> strange these days but what he look you look at the, how much people are like, he is done at the time. He is finished. And yes, he's not recaptured his form by any stretch of the imagination, but he's made movies in Hollywood again. He got an Oscar nomination last year for Hacksaw yeah. Ridge for Best Director. Exactly. Um, I mean, the so classic that's why, example... That's why, that's why I, I, I do sort of roll my eyes at a lot of people saying, it's going too far, this hashtag me too. You're trying to ruin Aziz Ansari's career. It's like, well, maybe let's wait three or four years to see if his career's actually ruined. Or people are saying, you know, when are we going to give him another chance? Fuck it. We only found this out two days ago. If someone gets incarcerated for murder, we don't do a parole hearing the next day. Let them serve a sentence for a while. <laughs> it's that again the world has just like become too fast i think yeah. um yeah. and that's because of the internet and i well, think the well, well is the fact that the world is too fast and that the wwe storylines are being built week on week on week if the randy savage elizabeth storyline have been in the wwe's world now even if they did it literally as we got it from savage's intercontinental champion jealousy uh savage's intercontinental champion possessive boyfriend wrestlemania 4 jealousy uh wrestlemania 5 sherry retirement reunion that storyline i don't think could be told over five years it would be probably told in two at the most and if there was forward planning yeah yes and there will probably be too many matches in between and too many um necessary story beats there's like if you look at that storyline there's maybe 20 story beats in in total that you could just pluck out to show to someone to give them the entire storyline a great example of why romance as a storyline has changed somewhat in terms of its usage, I think, certainly, is look at the last time they tried it in the WWE on a big scale, the whole um, Dolph Ziggler-Lana thing. It just really died on, on its on its ass, effectively. And part of that was because we are more clued in because of the internet. The whole, um, during the middle of a st- kayfabe storyline where Dolph and Lana are meant to be dating but not quite dating, the fact that uh, Lana and Rusev announced their real life engagement, that seems to like kill the storyline. It, it's very weird. People just can't disassociate when it comes to romance, at least in Vince's eyes. I, to this day, have always defended the potential of the Rusev, Lana, Dolph Ziggler, Summer Rae storyline. That it could have been a great storyline. Maybe even as close as we could have got to a Savage Elizabeth 
great romance with a beginning, middle, and end to it. Because if you look at where the turmoil of, of Rusev and Lana started was when John Cena had him in the I Quit match and Rusev was yelling out in Bulgarian and Lana said he quits, he quits, he quits. And then Rusev is utterly... I would say it starts slightly before that at WrestleMania itself when uh, the fans start chanting for Lana and she gets on the apron and Rusev just goes ballistic when he sees it. Okay. But there, yeah, there were seeds okay. beforehand. There's seeds beforehand. So you had the jealousy of Rusev, which is something that we've seen before with Savage and Elizabeth, with Mark Merrow and Sable. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tried and tested Chris Candido and Sonny, hot woman, jealous boyfriend, you know, usually a hot blonde woman, jealous boyfriend... That's where it starts. And then you had the fact that he lost the I Quit match, so he was humiliated in a completely different way. But she did it through love. She didn't want to see him get hurt. But in his pride, he couldn't accept it in that moment, and he dumps her. And then he goes out with Summer Rae, who dresses exactly like single white female situation. You know, know, when people break up, it's ugly. And... And Lana then is on the rebound and tries to hook up with the sexy surfer boy, Dolph Ziggler. And then it's just, you know, theirs is just a physical relationship, as implied, off screen. Um, it yeah. was poorly set up. She just comes out all shy and then they kiss. They, they could have built that up better. Yeah. But the idea of Summer Rae trying to be a copy of Lana, that's a fascinating storyline in itself. And that Rusev was acting that way because he was still in love with Lana, but he was too prideful to admit it. Now, how I would have done that storyline, fancy booking is a terrible thing, but if and, and and it was screwed up. I think Rusev might have got injured around that time. I might be misremembering it. He did. Yeah. Um, he so went, you, started wearing boots afterwards. It was the whole what, foot that, thing. That's what always drives me crazy about those fancy booking videos online because no one has ever, ever been injured in any of these fancy booking situations. But if I'd have done it, I would have had... Dolph Ziggler and Summer Rae then hook up behind Lana's back when Lana was starting to get feelings about Dolph Ziggler and Rusev was starting to get feelings about Summer Rae, both of them saying, then you do the double turn and Dolph saying this, I I never meant any of this, I was just saying this to get you into, you know, get you into bed and Summer Rae just being like, ah, whatever, I'm just a slutty McSlutterson or whatever is a more politically correct way of putting it nowadays. (laughs) You know... I don't know, or maybe she was just like, yeah, Rusev, you're hot, but Dolph's hotter. And then Rusev and, L- and Lana gradually realising that they'd always really cared about each other, and then they come back together as the ultimate babyface couple. Okay. And that's how you fuse it. That's how you make it work. Gonna dig you out the, um... Their ways. They both dig- learnt something about themselves. I'm gonna dig you out the non-PC holdout. I think you should, um... What you were Look, saying I'm just is thinking like... about this through a filter that Vince McMahon would have accepted if I was pitching the storyline. True. But basically you were pitching the fact that Summer Rae inherently was quite shallow and was like, oh, I'm going to go to the more attractive life. Like Sensational Sherry. It was just like, yeah. maybe Dolph Ziggler beats Rusev for a belt, and so then Lana, you know, Summer Rae, like, yeah, Rusev wins back the US title somehow, or gets the Intercontinental title or whatever, and then Lan- and then he loses it to Dolph Ziggler because of screwed up Summer Rae interference, and then Summer Rae goes, ah, screw it, I'll, I'll go... She follows the gold, just like how Sonny used to follow the gold with the tag team titles back in 96. Oh, that was such a great example there. Like, the way she was just like, oh, I like you guys now. You've won the belts. <laughs> you know, oh, I've always liked you guys. Again, another example of a great... That was another great example of a storyline of the naive simpleton. You know, I think we've all been there. Uh, the guy that likes the girl that's a bit out of their league. And 
in this situation, <laughs> the the girl is a nasty piece of work in in Sunny, and she'll use him for until he finally realizes the error of his ways and he slops her. And that's a great little mini storyline that has a fantastic payoff that the fans yeah. were going crazy for. I mean, at that point in '96, Sunny was one of the most popular not well over i'll use the parlance of the insider knowledge she was as over as anyone in that promotion at that point and partly through again a relatable storyline after if you look at the 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 uh the 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 join in the love triangle that's a more relatable thing for people to fight over than even a championship belt if you know what i mean like Triple H and Kurt Angle vying for the affection of Stephanie can believably mean more to them than the WWF Championship might. Yes, but with relationships like that, and Stephanie is, in my mind, the prime example of this, isn't the ulterior motive power and influence? Like, a being with Sonny means you will become more successful. Being with Steph means you're, you are a, a de facto McMahon. Uh, you know... You know, little things like that. I just think there's like, there's lot like there's loads of underlying reasons as to why someone would go out with someone sometimes in wrestling. Hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You can build that into the eventual breakup, the eventual turn, or yeah. what have you. Um, and let's go to that Kurt Angle Triple H Stephanie. I think that period. I I would argue that the period of around the very start of two thousand. Through to WrestleMania 17 in 2001, for me, is the creative and artistic peak of the WWE, WWF. I don't think they've ever been better as a whole company than they were for that 15-month period. And that maybe one of the first signs of its eventual demise was the poor payoff to that Triple H, Stephanie, Kurt Angle storyline. Because really, the only rational way for it to go would have been for Stephanie to pick Kurt Angle over Triple H. But instead, it, it ended really awkwardly where Triple H, she just low blows Kurt Angle in their Unforgiven match. Triple H pedigrees him, then gives her a really awkward kiss where he's got like a bit of a bloody face. And it was a real, it seemed like a real power play move that apparently Triple H backstage said, no one would believe that someone would leave me for Kurt Angle. <laughs> so is, that, is that really the rumour? That's the legend. Wow. That's the legend. And um, when when you're not sure about the truth of the legend, print the legend is the is the thing. And, and also at the same time, you had that weird hatred, almost in a playground way, between Chris Jericho and Stephanie McMahon. That it was like the boy that and the girl that are so hateful to each other that there must be some sort of sexual tension underneath there. It's the boy that pushes the girl's head into the sand when they're five, six years old. Pulls the pigtails. Yeah, and that when a couple of times when he'd have her in the ring, he would grab her and kiss her, in theory to knock her off her game, but obviously that there was more to it than that. And they've made allusions to it. I remember when uh, uh, I did love that little... I do love little allusions to things from the past when uh, he's doing the list of Jericho and someone said, Stephanie, you're on the list. And Jericho said, I have never said anything horrible about you in your entire life, Stephanie. You know this. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I think a lot of people were so disappointed that the Jason Jordan was the payoff to that mystery storyline. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a rekindling of that um, uh, never paid off 
love triangle. I guess it's one of those great what could have beens, uh, along with like the WCW invasion. It's one of the great what could have beens of wrestling. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a really interesting one there because a lot of people are like think a lot of people say what you say there that the ending was quite a damp squib in effect, and I think. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I can't think of really like a big romance storyline for a long time after that one was done, really. Uh, and the ones that there were were like really hokey. Um, there's the whole Tory Wilson, uh, Dawn Marie, and Tory Wilson's dad with I the heart attack. That for a trashy <laughs> days of our lives, very aware of how ridiculous it was. That was that was pure. That was pure soap opera in the bad acting way as well but i think that's part of the problem with wrestling and romance for every good intriguing as uh, a romance storyline there's been there has been some downright trashy ones there's always ob- room for trash in in, <laughs> in wrestling. wrestling ah but in wcw especially what was that um viagra on a pole match yeah well that was just vince russo being vince russo Vince, women can't possibly govern this country as competently as a man Russo. Oh, that, is, that is what he believes, you know. Right. That a woman couldn't run the country. Just lock him and Margaret Thatcher in a prime in a room for five minutes. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I don't know that you want to cite Margaret Thatcher as a point against that, depending on uh, where your political allegiances lie. No. But in a room with Russo, she'd certainly get a point across, Mm. (laughs) verbally or otherwise. Now, as we speak of Russo, and let's never speak of him again, um, let's talk about one of the factors within romantic storylines in wrestling, and that is the evolving role of women in wrestling. This is something that needs to be done. Maybe not even as just one episode, as like a number of episodes. And and when we do that, I promise you we will actually get a woman in to talk to us about it as well. So it's not just two straight white males discussing everything as if, that's all you need to hear from. <laughs> Don't you mean like every panel show in like the 90s? Or, or, or like 95, not just the 90s, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and like 90% of all podcasts. There was a tweet out there sometime in the past where I thought, if you get enough average white males in a room together, it's known as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the awkward biters were actually perpetuating that stereotype. Very much so. Although some of us only aspire to be average. Um, but let's have a look at that. Like, If, if you want to look at storylines with women, uh, especially love triangle storylines, some good examples you could have are the another Dawn Marie story, Dawn Marie with Tori Wilson, where it was very, you know, especially with the tantalizing lesbian scene in the hotel room and everything. Um, put those eyebrows down, mister. Um, and and the other one. Um, and, and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or the Miss Jackie Dormarie storyline with Charlie Haas, or more recently the Summer Ray Layla storyline with Fandango. It's women as catty, trashy, cat fights. Eighties soap the, opera. Yeah, yeah, dynasty, uh, and so on. Uh, so, form of wrestling and that and now that women in wrestling are for the most part being portrayed as athletes as competitors they aren't divas they're superstars except for total divas as it were um are we gonna could could you do one now where the storyline was a male wrestler and 
uh, Sasha Banks and uh, uh, Bailey. And that's probably a bad example, but you know, um, I don't know. Um, Naomi and Alexa Bliss, and they're not—they're not fighting for the belt. They're fighting over Jimmy Uso. Like, do a storyline where. Alexa Bliss tries to seduce Jimmy Uso. Would that be seen as a step back, or is it still a, a, a reasonable storyline? Oh, that is a double-edged sword and a half, that, because you've got to think from one side, uh, with, like, equality is that anyone can do any kind of storyline, really, when it comes to romance. But on the other hand, I can see a lot of fear uh, from a creative standpoint that oh if these two women are, are competing over this man and this is the thing that defines their career at this point I could but, see why I could see why people could go down the garden path and put negative connotations associated with it that being said it is something I'd like to see <laughs> for different kinds but, but also if you argue that women used to be objectified in that situation the object is the male it's yeah. the male that's the male is the championship belt. If they don't actively participate, if they don't have their own agency, if they just say the winner of this match gets to, you know, hook up with me afterwards, like like was done with the Charlie Haas. Well, not with the Charlie Haas, but with the, the Fandango storyline. That was, in theory, how it was paid off. Although I guess they did do the sisters are doing it for themselves, ending by having them both dump Fandango and then just start dancing with each other. <laughs> I guess that was a bit of a save, but not much of a save. That was let's just tie it up as best as we can and get this off our television. But I just think it's something that's it's it's all like I said, it's something that they've gone to in the past, and I think they can go to again. Not necessarily. Well, love triangles are just a logical way. You know, the greatest storyline probably in ECW history was Tommy Dreamer, Beulah McGillicuddy Cutty Raven, and that was proper soap opera. That was they all went to summer camp together when they were eleven. Beulah fancied Tommy Dreamer, but she was a fat girl at the time, and so Tommy rebuffed her, and then Raven took advantage, and now she's grown up and she's blossomed into hot Beulah, and she's going to get her revenge on Tommy until they decided that the fans just liked Beulah too much. So then Beulah dumped Raven for Tommy Dreamer after Tommy got her pregnant, but then it turns out she wasn't pregnant, and then she had an affair with Kimona, and then you got the, the classic... I'll take them both. I'm hardcore. Line from Tommy Dreamer. So that was trashy. That was that was Jerry Springer esque in many ways. And and the and the way that the cat fights were presented in ECW at that time was proper Jerry Springer. Uh, you know, mini skirts all the way up, so you just see the G string underneath. WWE rarely went that far, really. But that was keeping in with the tone at the time. I mean, yeah. obviously WWE. That's what ECW was. That's what the '90s were. Yeah. But, but I think just seen I Tonya. This was tabloid. This was trashiness. This was the president getting his, you know what, done in the in the Oval Office. But um, Trump I've... was not the first. That's <laughs> it. He's the first in many things. Not a foot race, but you know. <laughs> but he wasn't the first one to bring a tabloid culture to the world of politics, or or to maybe slacken the social mor- mor- morals of the time. But it's it's one of those real things where because that was the trashy attitude at the time, you could do you had a freer environment, especially with something like uh, romance and relationships. Now WWE's in a kid friendly world. Does does it limit them creatively in terms of what they can do romance wise? I mean, well, 
what is the popular thing to do now in most TV shows is to ship people. To want people to get together. The shippers, the people that want... I don't know, uh, the people that wanted Daenerys and Jon Snow to get together or or what have you, the people, well, now maybe not so much, (laughs) but, uh, you know, you know what I mean, the the shippers that want to see uh, Finn and Poe Dameron get together in the Star Wars film. Yeah, or Um, the people that, like, the people that with, like, the Big Bang Theory, for example, it's like, oh, why can't they just get together already? Like, there's a journey to be had here. No, but but will a shipping culture ever come to wrestling? I mean, the one that I'm surprised they haven't made anything about in in storyline would be to do a ship of, for example, Bailey with Finn Balor, because there you've got the classic high school girl crush with the cool kid, and she has like uh, self esteem issues that she would never think a girl like her could be with a guy like him. Until he ultimately... So we go all John Hughes 16 candles on them. I'm just giving two names. Eddie, you could do it with yeah. people. I don't know. I mean, I now am, have no doubt with how the mix Match Challenge goes on. That there are plenty of shippers out there for Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. There are a few of that. I have seen some of those memes online. But mm. I think... And of course, everyone looks at like Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae as like... The, the the couple that everyone aspires to in yeah. real life. It's like the... Um, not Jay-Z and Beyonce. I don't know. Be <laughs> that's that's or, the first time I've ever heard that comparison. Or, or, or Posh and Bex. I don't know. What is seen as the ideal couple now? Well, it was Chris Pratt and Anna Faris for a while and Amy Poehler and um, Will Arnett, but both of those relationships sadly fell apart. I don't know. You, 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 your relationship goals, I'm not sure what they would be, but... Maybe that, that's what the future could be, lovable couples that you just like. I think everyone, everyone like Johnny Gargano and, and Candice LeRae are like the baby faces, baby faces that ever baby faced. Mm. But I think one of the problems is a lot of, the, a lot of romance storylines, and I'm putting storylines in air quotes here, because obviously, you know, this is an audio medium and you won't have seen what I've just done. Um, a lot of the romance storylines in WWE are reserved for non-Raw and SmackDown television. They have their romance storylines, in a sense, with the trials and tribulations of couples that are together on Total Divas and Total Bellas. Mm. And... I guess from a creator standpoint, how much romance can someone really write? I mean, I know it's not quite the same thing because one is based on reality and is like an exacerbated version of it, whereas you've got a lot more creative freedom with your Raws and your Smackdowns. But, you know, there's only so much of a certain type of thing you can create at once. Like, no one was plugging, like, sitting Paul McCartney down with a guitar and asking him to churn out four albums a year. It it just wouldn't have happened. Mm. So... Where do we go from here leads to the final question that I have, Dan. I don't know if you have any further points before we get to Mount Rushmore. And that was one of the first things that we alluded to with the X to my Y. So, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi has always been a subtext that now seems to be coming... Explicit is the wrong way to put it, but it's becoming text... In the, the implication, and it was very interesting how Kevin Kelly, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but when they hugged, when Kevin Kelly and Don Callis said, 
that there is more to this than most situations that we without saying it yeah saying that these men were at one point more than just friends yeah no. I that's interesting because I ha- I've seen it but I've not seen it with the um I saw it with the Japanese commentary uh, yeah. I didn't see it with the English commentary yeah um but that's 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 obviously like that's a perfect line because it's all implied um I mean will they go forward and make it even more um but how explicit do you make it do you make it that if Kenny Omega or Kota Ibushi wins the IWGP heavyweight title does the other person come into the ring and not only do they hug, do they kiss in celebration? And what would the reaction be like? I mean, it shows where we are now to where we were back in like 98, 99. Like, the easiest way to get heel heat with two male wrestlers in a tag team match would be for one of them to hug the other one by being down on their knees and whilst the the, the other one strokes their hair... Chris Jericho and Christian did it all the time. Road Dog and and Billy Gunn did it when the New Age Outlaws just started. Billy and Chuck, the obvious, obvious one. And Rico, um, like, that's, not that's, as a tag team, but just Rico and anyone. brought that up before, really, that they could have gone somewhere really interesting with it and then they just... They did the, we're not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Seinfeld's <laughs> thing. And yeah. I just that but, but was... if they did it if they they couldn't do that storyline now, but could they do a storyline of a tag team that were lovers? Um a tag team that did get married. Could I... you do it with D- Dash and Dawson? What if it turns out that they're actually a gay couple as well? A manly, manly gay couple who will put more allusions to their no flips just fists gimmick. <laughs> but um <laughs> You're in a raunchy mood this evening, can I point out? Um, Valentine's Day. (laughs) Um, But no, he's... Saddest day of the year. (laughs) Wow. Um, I honestly think no, but not because they don't want to, if that makes any kind of sense. You've got to think, from an American standpoint, uh, doing anything like that is whilst you will be accepted by the overwhelming majority that minority of people who will do, who won't accept you are very vocal and might lobby quite hard and Vince I don't know if they would anymore I, I think they've been I don't think they've been drowned out but I don't think I think if someone tried to start a faggots chant or a you yeah. suck dick chant now I think that people would either shout them down or they wouldn't or security would get they wouldn't reciprocate it i mean i remember when vince mcmahon came out in not in that way at the uh unforgiven i think or over the edge when it was the start of the austin mcmahon storyline and the fans were chanting vince is gay vince is gay some of they also chanted about Shawn michaels i remember in early wwf roars um that wouldn't catch on now no i I mean it would I don't think they're being. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking too highly of wrestling fans, which is a rarity for me. I <laughs> I don't think they're being dial- uh, drowned out, but I think more of what it is is you've got a picture like racism and homophobia, like um, black current cordial, and um, decency. Black, was black current a pun at any point? Or... <laughs> or um, you're talking about a fruity mixture. I don't know. 
But no, um, basically, morality and decency is just the water that's getting added. And eventually, you're just going to end up with water. That, okay, that's what, what life a, is. What about a lesbian storyline? We now have the first openly gay female uh, superstar in the promotion now. The woman in um, Absolution, whose name I have forgotten yet again. I called her Shayna Baszler in the last episode. Oh, uh, you want Sarah Mor- Sarah Morgan? Morgan? No, Sarah Logan, and that's Logan. the um, that's that's not her. That's the one that's in the Riot Squad. Um, Mandy uh, Mandy Rose Sonia Deville. Sonia, Sonia Deville. Deville. She's the first openly gay uh, female wrestler in the WWE to follow up from Darren Young as the first openly gay male wrestler. Now, see, I didn't know that, and the fact that I didn't know that means it's less of a De- a deal in a good way because that wasn't really that advertised. Was, whereas they... Darren Young, that was blown up massively. Could they do a storyline of her falling in love with a female wrestler? I mean, they obviously had the Mickey James Trish Stratus again, single white female, trashy. But that was a great storyline as well. But then that facet of Mickey James's character disappeared, and a few years later, she's in a relationship with John Cena on screen. So she was just gay for Trish, which is fine. I can understand, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say no if uh, Chris Pratt were to <laughs> ask for a, you know, <laughs> a hug, <laughs> necessarily. Sometimes you've just got to reassess, reassess where you are with things, basically. Ah, you know, I've what I've seen Zac Efron in a few movies, and I'm not gonna, you know, or, 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 or I know Kota Ibushi, or he is a beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> uh, there you go. And Sonata, um, Jesus Christ, that is a handsome gentleman. The Japanese wrestling at the moment has a lot of good-looking blokes there. I can understand why they're popular with the ladies. But to, um, no, to get back to the question at hand in terms of like, would a lesbian a storyline be accepted? The problem you've got is, and and this might be me like uh, like coming out with like my own like stereotypes here. I I don't think that's the case. Is because of what they've done in the past, especially there's like a trash preloaded trashy connotation. Mm. Uh, you'd have to write a very good storyline to overcome that. Yeah, not impossible, but it's unlikely. Um, and to be honest, they did it's probably try that actually didn't they? There was that brief attempt at doing a different kind of wrestling promotion, which was a, a limited series storyline. It had people like MVP and them lot, but in different characters. And Joey Ryan in it played a man coming to terms with being a, a gay man and, and coming out about it. Which Joey Ryan isn't in real life, but he wanted to. He seems to have been someone that's been trying to push forward these sort of storylines and and so on before obviously the work he did with um candice LeRae as well where he's sort of the sleazy uh chauvinist wrestler yeah boob plex and everything <laughs> he's um it, it's weird because that's the trouble the trouble again and this is the trouble with pretty much everything is there's the mainstream and because something's mainstream it takes less risks i think um other promotions may well do it but in terms of like a mainstream one, one that's got like a big fan base, I'm talking your New Japan, I'm talking your WWE. I think it's going to be a while before, a long while before they try it. Or that, like, I mean, Darren Young is gay in real life, but was his character ever gay on WWE TV? Well, this is it. I don't believe he was ever in an on-screen. Like they like never no. had him hug or kiss his boyfriend in the crowd or anything like no. that. No. So. 
So, but by that measure, could you take someone who is straight, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Dolph, well, yeah, Dolph Ziggler's straight, but, well, no, because he's already had a storyline with Lana. I don't know, someone, so, say the other Uso. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why is that a problem? Why, why is that a problem? No, but, like, like, not necessarily, like, but then, but then yeah. you've got to make him, I guess you've got to make him a bisexual, which is fine. Yeah. Um, or, or what have you. But if you wanted to introduce a character, and, and like, now in the WWE, guys have 10, 12 years storylines. Yeah. Say, here's one. Say Lars Sullivan turns up, and just offhand, it's mentioned, like, Alexa Bliss makes an advance towards him, and backstage, and he goes, and she goes, I can make this very useful for you. And he just goes, oh, I'm, I'm gay. And then yeah. he just walks off. And... <laughs> <laughs> I would love it in that exact cadence. Nah, I'm gay. And then just, <laughs> next seg, and you know, a book of tea. And just so like... <laughs> that's something that's always underneath. And then maybe three years down the line, he gets into a relationship with someone, or, or he, you know, and and maybe Lars Sullivan in real life is straight. I don't know if he's straight or gay, but could Lars Sullivan therefore then play the Lars Sullivan character as gay, and for him to be gay throughout the entirety of that storyline? Because people don't, unlike Mickey James, the vast majority of people don't just switch. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. No, no, yeah, you could, you absolutely. Do you, know where, do you, do do you get where I'm coming? Yeah, from? no, I, a, I get it. If you I'm, do a gay storyline, it can't just be that one storyline. It yeah. needs to carry through. Yeah, and neither can it be. Oh, I'm playing a gay character. I'm playing a character. Part of that is I, that character is gay. If you see what I mean, there's playing a gay character and being gay just being a small part of your character. And it's definitely got to be the latter if you want to do it right. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't get... I, I, I am genuinely, like... I am really loving that way of doing it. It's just, no, I'm going. <laughs> just carry on. Uh, yeah, so I would love to see at some point... I would love to take a crack at something again with wrestling and romance, whether it is Bailey and Finn Balor, or when he was a babyface, I always thought Bailey and and, and Sami Zayn as like, uh, both oh, that... of them like each other, but they don't quite know how to say it to one another, and they both get taken down the wrong path with, with bad boyfriends and bad girlfriends <laughs> until they finally two years down the line, finally those crazy kids can finally get together. <laughs> I bet you I bet you there were some shippers for that, and I bet you, we're, we're what with um, Fimbalor and Sami Zayn taking all those friendship pictures back when they were in NXT, you probably had some shippers for that even I as well. I don't doubt that for a second. Um, so, that has been... Uh, I mean, I did want to talk, and I think we can still do an episode about like gay portrayals in wrestling, because obviously we didn't go into things like Gold Dust or Adrian Street or, or, or what have you. Um, so the history of the portrayal of gay people in wrestling is still something we can continue with. But yes, we haven't we haven't really touched the scratch the surface on that. No, and, and like, and I still think there's probably more stuff we could. Is there anything else you wanted to bring about? I mean, just that just that blurring of real life couples and on and and fictional couples. It's a very interesting thing, and and how one you know like Matt Hardy and Lita started as a real life couple, and then they became a couple on screen on screen, whereas. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie started as a couple on screen and then became a couple off screen and then yeah. broke up as a couple on screen and never officially came back together on screen until they were together. If you know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It was a weird. There was a weird netherworld between the two of them for the longest time after WrestleMania 18 mm. until I don't know when in between. That's it's weird now. It's it's like real life just becomes woven in as like as as wrestling canon. A uh, great yeah, example. Well, 
Sorry. of that is uh, the Miz and Dean Ambrose feud, and then Rene Young just one day on SmackDown. Yeah, interview. but then they don't follow through on that, and I don't know. And then they just drop it, and I don't know how that's going to work necessarily. I'm not against Dean Ambrose and Rene Young being a couple being a thing on screen, but I think you need to keep Rene Young as neutral a, a persona as possible. Yeah. And therefore making her emotionally invested in a Dean Ambrose match doesn't really work unless you literally have her never interviewing Dean Ambrose or never interviewing an opponent before they face Dean Ambrose. Obviously Samoa Joe made allusions to what he'd done to him in a recent Raw episode and like there's not yeah. much Rene... I don't, there's still potential there. Um... Obviously, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a curious thing. It's a curious thing, and it's still a work in progress. But maybe something from this mixed match event, something builds from that. Yeah, they they had a recent attempt, but uh, circumstances beyond their control put mm. paid to that with the whole Nia Jax Enzo thing. So it's not like they've given up on wrestling, wrestling and romance entirely. Yeah, that would have been a great one. Actually, I forgot all about that. That could have been a great of the idea of the very sexually aggressive man. And turns out too sexually aggressive. Yeah. Um, meeting allegedly his match, meeting uh, <laughs> meeting his match with a woman that was actually you know a woman that could bench him. Let's just yeah. say it <laughs> outright yeah. could bench him. <laughs> and, and an openly yeah, just a guy getting a taste of his own medicine in, yeah. in that regard. So that was that especially was with the added foil of the disapproving friend in Alexa Bliss. Yeah, but then if he'd have actually hooked up with Alexa Bliss behind Nia's back. Then you could have had the great. They could finally make the Nia versus Alexa Bliss match have a new twist to it. Yeah, that could have been a real. Maybe that's where they plan to go down with it eventually. I don't know, but who knows? Who knows? And we never will know. And I don't particularly want to know from that man. All I will say about Enzo Amore is I think that Virgil will very soon have a bitter rival (laughs) for who is the saddest, most desperate figure. On the wrestling convention autograph circuit. That's a personal prediction there. So, let us now go to Mount Rushmore. Now, you might be wondering, what are we about to do as a Mount Rushmore? Are we going to do the great romance storylines? Are we going to do the great love triangles? What we have gone for is the great on-screen wrestling couples. They might have been a real-life couple. They might not have. But on-screen, they were a couple... Simon, what are the four you've got down as your definitive Mount Rushmore relationships? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to get rid of the obvious one first. Uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. Naturally, just has to be. Just absolutely has to be. There's no two ways about it. Um, next, it's a little bit of a weird one, especially considering the way we talked about the whole moral- morality murkiness of it. But I'm going to say Edge and Lita, because... Mm. Adding Lita to Edge's repertoire at that time, for whatever circumstances it may have been, that sort of gave him just that little bit boost just to hang there in the main event long enough to establish himself. Mm. And it was just dynamic. I mean, that live sex celebration, that was that was like a truly a sight to behold. Mm. Um, and it's just very much like the, oh, look, we're in your face compared to like the restrained elegance that was like the wedding um, of match around randy savage and miss elizabeth as elegant as you can get with george young still attending of course, yeah, of course. um oh, i've been only an on this one but oh, i'm gonna put it in purely because it shows that everyone in the universe of wrestling is affected by romance 
Vince McMahon and Linda. Okay. Uh, purely because like, here's a man going, oh no, I'm great. I've got everything, you know. Uh, you know, and then just his his wife turns up and then just goes, I want a divorce, and starts that whole storyline off. And he just he can't get his head around it that not everything goes his own way, and it's romance that sort of like puts another chink in his armor. Basically, mm. he just can't quite comprehend it. It's really weird. Um, it's he just doesn't figure it out. Mm. Um, fourth one. Purely because I really like this is just a personal like, favorite of mine, and again, it's another situation where romance or acknowledge or acknowledgement of an off-screen romance as an on-screen romance really boosted someone's character. Uh, Queen Charmel and King Booker. Mm. <laughs> I just think it just gave an, yet another level. I mean, I know the King of the Ring was the catalyst, but Queen Charmel really incubated that and helped that to grow without queen charmel king booker would not have been as entertaining and therefore he wouldn't have got as much mileage out of booker t towards the winter of his career as he did mm. yeah they did make for a golden couple as it were um so if i was to do an unrestricted list i would have had two of your choices i would have included edge and lee through my one because i did like their natural born killers reckless purely physical sex just raw, just yeah, in your just face. Raw in your face, and Edge just using her as a prop and a, and a, and a shield at various points in their relationship. Um, she was like, literally a foreign object at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she, frankly, she looked hot as fuck when she was doing it as well. If I can be base and coarse and male chauvinist for a brief period. Um, some oh, some, some honourable mentions. I thought the Chris Jericho, Christian, Trish Stratus love storyline was a great one. And when Lita was involved in that as well, and you had that great Jericho and Christian against Trish and Lita tag team match as well. That, that nearly made one. my list, so I'll I'll join you in that honourable mention. I'll that was an honourable mention. Uh, another honourable mention was Sunny and the romance of her and the tag team title belts. That was what <laughs> she was truly in love with. I was really close to Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, but it's just, it was too much of a subliminal, subtext thing. Yeah. The, this romance has still not 100% been confirmed on screen, but maybe in two or three years' time, if it continues on, then they will be my new, a new Mount Rushmore addition. And who knows, yeah, if we revisit, there may well be, like, you know, there may be, like, one of the pivotal heads of Mount Rushmore. And because we've barely mentioned our personal bay, uh, another honourable mention is Kane and just his tragic love life throughout <laughs> the years. Tory leaving him for X-Pac, Katie Vick leaving him for the great beyond. <laughs> <laughs> AJ Lee playing with his mind during the CM Punk Daniel Bryan thing. That was a great storyline as well. Lee's leaving him for Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lee's leaving him for Edge, and and Gene Snitsky destroying what he, everything he had to hope for. Yeah, you can you can never beat a WWE wedding. That's why we need to keep romance because we need a great WWE re- wedding every. Couple we of haven't years. had one since, since AJ and Daniel Bryan. Da- AJ and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole start and just Daniel Bryan's further descent into madness. Yeah. So, my four Mount Rushmore picks are Triple H versus Stephanie, most specifically the McMahon-Helmsley-era version of the two, not so much the middle-aged couple at WrestleMania getting their one night out without the kids on date night version of the couple. It's still a good couple, but, you know, that that, that um, 
her there was seemed to be so much of like there was seemed to be like so much of a complexity of Triple H and, and Vince McMahon in that feud as well and Stephanie going for Triple H maybe because subliminally he was like her dad in weird ways. <laughs> there was yeah, and and of course the Kurt Angle storyline again. Just quickly, that the seed of that was planted very early on in the Triple H Stephanie relationship, like around December time. She just mentioned offhand that she thought Kurt Angle was cute, and then six months or so is when they finally start to pay it off with more regular storyline interactions between the two. Again, like again, I think we need to talk about two thousand WWF and and when there was that uh, writer there who had, like, storyboards and, and, yeah. and all sorts of stuff and actually tried to write it like a TV show. Um, we'll have to talk about that in more detail sometime. So, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. I'm surprised we have, no one's mentioned this. The Miz and Maurice. That is a great couple. Oh. Proper couple in love. And again, that had illusions for the years beforehand until she finally returned on screen. And she really, if if we look at this as like the Miz's truly golden period as a as a superstar, it was really kickstarted. Well, no, not really, because you had the Damien Sandow storyline before then. But when he partnered up with Maurice, that was when the two of them made each other so much better. Yeah, and, and she at had the, the wrestling, she had the wrestling now and the experience. At the time, it didn't seem like much. I mean, that was the Raw I saw live, um, and at the time, you were just like, oh, okay. Right, right, Maurice is back. Cool. Mm. Uh, and then it just, like, exploded. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> became a version of that, like, what's his name? Spencer Pratt or something like that, and the woman... Spidey. Spidey, yeah. yeah. With a bit of eyes wide shut as well in there, with the yeah. with the masks and everything. And just the Hollywood, obnoxious Hollywood couple. Um, yeah. So, Miz and Maurice, Tommy Dreamer and Beulah McGillicutty, the grunge 90s version of... Uh, Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth and uh, another couple that became a real life thing and still to the best of my knowledge I won't say happily married but married, I've no idea Um, and finally it's gotta be it Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth there's just no going around it I, I, I don't know how you can top it but maybe one day someone will Mm. And maybe that will be Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. Who knows? It's weird. It's, it says a little bit about like uh, our attitudes towards romance that you've gone for genuinely like, oh, the, you know, this is like a nice romance. Uh, you know, Sonny loved those title belts. Uh, Beulah loved Tommy. Um, <laughs> Triple H and Seth had their obviously like, you know, love for each other. Whereas I've gone for, when did romance actually boost a man's career? <laughs> I've gone for, they're, they're sort of orientated at the end of this. What does this do for me? <laughs> what do I get out of this? <laughs> the Donald Trump approach to love. And in a quick sidebar, Queen Sharpmail being associated with King Booker as what has led led to my favourite ever line of commentary. Um not favourite ever line of commentary, but one of the funniest ever lines of commentary I've ever heard. Uh that WrestleMania Money in the Bank where Matt Hardy's holding Queen Sharmel hostage, threatening to twist a fate as Booker climbs the ladder, and JBL is just screaming, Screw her, Booker, I know plenty of women. How did that pay off? Did he just sacrifice her in the end? I can't remember. Uh no, he he jumped down and came See, to the rescue. You gotta do it the other way around, because it's kind of crazy that it's a baby face threatening violence towards a woman. Pretty um, like not not just yeah, like oh I'm gonna hit her like I'm possibly gonna break the other way around yeah. really yeah Triple H in China was another example of that I suppose that was how 
Triple H lost his first I Quit match to the um, uh, the Rocket uh, in the Corporation days. Yeah. Uh, Kane held China up for a choke slam, and Triple H said I Quit so that he wouldn't hit her. And then China low blowed him, which I kind of saw as maybe that was her testing him. It's like you aren't the man I thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember if that was her reasoning for it, but yep. Sorry, another quick sidebar, quick tangent. We're gonna have to stop now, Simon. If people want to send you. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've not done our definitive Rushmore yet. You are jumping the we gun. We have, we have. Savage and Elizabeth. Oh, God, yeah. Sorry, I'm so I'm not used to us agreeing. It's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we fight and we bicker, but there's love there, really. Yeah. Not really. Um, you're a good it's... guy, but no. <laughs> <laughs> not love, love. No. no, no, no. In the same way that I love Milky Ways. Strong chocolate um, bar. I'm happy yeah. with that. Yeah, you can take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I had Milky Way stars for the first time. Didn't Not the same. Not Didn't the same. Care for them. No. I was expecting mini Milky Ways. There was no milk within them. No, no it's it, it's stuff. just chocolate. It's bullshit. Bullshit, I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if you... people... Sorry, God. I was going to say, if you want to challenge Lorcan about his uh, very strong views on uh, Milky Way stars and professional wrestling, how would one get in contact with yourself? Well, they could tweet me at Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple, N for Norman. A for Amore, N for Norman, maybe. (laughs) A for Amore, N for Nookie. Yeah. (laughs) I did it all for the Nookie. The nookie, so you could take that cookie, as that great romantic poet Fred Durst once said. <laughs> uh, if you switch that A at, sorry, if you switch that at from being at the front of Lorca Mullen to being the end of Lorca Mullen and stuck at gmail.com afterwards, then you can email me with anything that you want to know. You can buy my ebook about my lifelong love of professional wrestling. By going to Amazon and getting yourself a copy for your smartphone or your tablet or your ebook of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. And maybe in the near future you'll see a live version of that complete with quiz uh, in a city near you. Follow me on Twitter to be kept updated on that. Simon, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Um, people can get in touch with me by uh, contacting me on Facebook, shouting abuse at me in the street, or by um, hitting me up at Simon Cross Free on Twitter. It's so known because uh, often at 3am in the morning, I wake up in a sweat thinking about, um, is Lorcan going to run out of Like, you know, he's the such to my such. Yeah. He's the such to my such. He's the such to my such. Uh, sweats. Actual literal sweats. I've had to go like wash my bed sheets so many times this week. I think we should end this now with a with a love poem for wrestling. Slam poetry, we are expanding. Raw ropes are red, smackdowns are blue. Thank you for letting us tell you something, and we truly love you. Indeed. Have a good time. Until the next time. Farewell, Grapple Fan. I can just say this though, Bron. We're going all the way. All the way.
to a victory in the Mixed Match Challenge. Now, the most important question of all is can you get out of the friend zone? And interestingly, not too long ago, I was reading that a few psychologists at Penn State actually compiled a practical guide for men to get out of the friend zone. So it looks like this. Of course, the first thing is identifying you're actually in the friend zone, then you execute the following steps. Step one, be more attractive. Yeah! I'll show you. Hey, no, 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 no